We're back! Welcome back to yet another episode of Fire the Cannon. I'm Megan. I'm Rocky. And I'm Hannah, and this is Fire the Cannon. Today's episode is brought to you by our amazing sponsor, Pickle Smash. And if you don't know who they are, they make the best, and I mean the best, pickle-based salsa that you can find if you go to picklesmash.com and use the promo code fancy10 you'll get hooked up with some really awesome discounts so make sure you visit their website and buy all the pickle salsa you could ever want need give it away whatever all right picklesmash.com all right so today we have we're going to recap a little bit of the texas basketball game last night against ou we're going to go over what everyone wants to hear about, Sarkeesian staff, our thoughts on the hires, some background info we've looked up on the coaching staff. Of course, there have been some press conferences, media, national media everywhere. We have lots of Sark, Sark quotes from those. Sark after dark, y'all. And we have a new fun uh, little segment we're going to do tonight, Cannon Fire. We are going to fire off lots of hot topics that with one-minute quick thoughts and give our thoughts on those fun topics. So let's get going. Megan, how you doing? Anything new? (laughs) I'm just a goddamn dream. Thanks for asking. Yes. Yeah, look, this has been a rough, I'm just going to say two years, but good Lord, y'all. Like, for those of y'all that see me on Twitter, you know the drama that's going on. But so I live out in the country. I'm out in the sticks all by my little lonesome and doing good with my longhorns. I go out to my truck the other day to make a trip to HEB and find that my truck has been broken into. That sucks. Yeah, it was awful. And, you know, they rifled through all my stuff. They went through my center console, went through my glove box and stole one of my pistols out Ugh. of the gun, out of the truck, uh, stole. A, and I was proud of this damn watch. It was a Tissot T-Race that was the Longhorn edition. So it was ridiculously expensive when I got it. I mean, they don't make them anymore. So I'm like, I'm more pissed that I can't get like, first of all, let me be clear. I hate the idea that some crazy person has my gun. Yeah. Period. A criminal. Yeah. (laughs) And, and then secondly, like there's a watch that I can't replace. Like it doesn't, they don't make it anymore. I can't get it back. So that was a huge bummer. Like it's been, I'm not going to lie y'all. Like I'm, I love my place. I live on a little bit of land just East of Austin, but I have been planning on moving for a while. I'm working on getting my place in order. Hannah, thank you for helping me out there. And this just kind of solidified everything. Like I am so ready ready to move, to move farther the F away and just become that like crazy hermit person. That's like, I've got enough land that I can put my house in the middle of it. And I don't have to see humans if I don't want to see humans. Like that is the world I want to live in right now. Cause I'm so bitter about everything. So there's Aww. my last 24 hours. Aww, <laughs> sorry, Megan. Yeah, you know, I hope they find the person who did that. I hope they find them before they do something effing stupid with my gun. Like yeah. the cops have the serial number. Like it was all legal. The gun was, was good and registered and everything's, fine. You know, I did everything the right way, but so, and I will, I will give a shout out to Travis County deputies. Like he came out quickly. I called 911 as soon as I discovered it. 
the officer came out within literally within 30 minutes, which is not common in the country. Right. And um, he actually took, he actually took fingerprints, like went over my truck. CSI style. Yeah. I mean, and I know that not all police departments respond that way to a theft, to a burglary, you know, so it probably amplifies it with the gun gun and absolutely. Yeah. So I called my neighbors. I let them know what happened. I let, you know, a couple businesses in the area know what happened. So hopefully somebody that's ballsy enough, but also dumb enough to like break um, into a car in the middle of the day gets caught soon before. Sell it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, that's what I'm hoping, but it's just, yeah. let me tell you, it's just been a, a crap, crap few weeks, but you know, what can you do? How about y'all sunshine and happiness? You tell me how about y'all. How are you, Hannah? <laughs> Anything new? Absolutely nothing. But I guess in this case with Megan's news, no news is good news. So I'll trade you. You want to trade? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> love you. I love it. I love it. All right. Rocky, what's going on in your world? Nothing. School's back in. So I have, I read, I have a bunch of reading to do for a while, but that's it. I have nothing else going on. Okay. Y'all uh, like she's glossing over this, but let me say this. I briefly glanced over her current reading. It is the most convoluted, ridiculous stuff. I'm like, I don't under, I I consider myself a relatively intelligent person. Uh I looked at your reading and I was like, I hate everything. I got two sentences in. It was like, I hate everything. I I don't, I I I also, I also didn't understand. (laughs) That's why I put it down anyway. Yeah. And I actually put it down and got to watch a ton of Sarkeesian's uh, press conferences (laughs) and videos. So that helped clear my brain. Um, But, but quick shout out though, in the hood, Westlake, (laughs) congratulations to the Westlake chaparrales. So we talked about in the last episode about the dodgeball. We're really excited because the, you know, Todd Dodge is playing his son, Riley Dodge, a South Lake Carroll. Um, figured it out. Yes. Westlake got past one of the top teams in the country, North Shore, um, to play at Jerry World. Um, I was actually in Mexico, so I was streaming someone <laughs> else's, someone who was at the game was streaming on Facebook. And it's limited, you know, when you're out, uh, you have limited res- access to channels and stuff. So I was watching someone's hand phone of the game from the audience on Facebook. <laughs> you're like, thanks, person. Thank you, whoever that person was. I just searched Westlake game and That's found it. Probably my favorite thing about you is that you were so insane that you're literally in Mexico watching a video of somebody's phone <laughs> to watch a high school, school a high school football game. Like I, I just want to talk about your commitment and that I respect I, and appreciate it. I but... didn't want to miss that game. <laughs> um, it was it was a blowout. Uh, t- Westlake pulled away early. There was lots yeah. of talk, you know, the club Nick Ewers talk and Ewers, you know, we, he, Ewers we, balled though. he balled out. The stats looked good. He, you know, didn't have the offensive line and defensive line that Westlake had. And we are hearing later now he was, he's been fighting injuries and things like that. So it wasn't a hundred percent. He still props to him for getting his team there. He dragged that team to that championship game, he did, 100%. but club Nick, Got away, came away Your with boy. the win. Your they boy. they pulled away big. The score is 34-52, but a lot of that was in trash time. Westlake handled them, no question about it. Uh, the playoff like, games were closer than yes, the playoffs were were much closer. Those were this was a blowout. Like I said, defense was they had they had viewers scrambling and confused for most of the game. So uh, yeah, it was great. Congratulations, Westlake. You're the best lake. 
<laughs> oh well not a good turnout was yesterday's men's basketball game oh god well okay uh, you could say not a good turnout but i'm gonna go ahead an l's and an l i get it <laughs> but i'm gonna go ahead and stand the longhorns here look you have shaka smart out with covid oh the hair you've got yeah the hair the golden the hair man you you have only eight players available with only five of those players practicing the previous week. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I look, I of oh, course. And then you're telling me the refs. Yeah, look. The refs were the story, right, Hannah? Yeah, and even- uh, a thousand percent. This is up there with like the Texas Oklahoma State game in football in what, 2016? As far as just like what in the world is going on? Yeah, I think you're talking about 15 where Coach Strong because I pumped by freaking the You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it was that called it on him. It was 15 because we were away for the World Cup and we were in the middle of the night, Richard and I in this tiny, tiny hotel room in the middle of the night streaming the game on a radio crazy trying to listen to that game listen i it was I've just, never it was been ridiculous it considering it was 15, you know, yeah, texas yeah. like we basically fielded our like farm team like our like listen, whatever well, you know, we like, had we had coleman we had we Brown, had coleman we had we had a then they all started then they all started like fouling out <laughs> and it's like uh, okay coleman, and and i will stand by this losing coleman in the last minute of yes. the game by a stupid decision by him and look I'm not knocking Maddie. He he's an incredible player. He's developed a lot. He knows this team. He knows the plays well, but that last play where he reached in and fouled out, it was unnecessary. It it was the guy wasn't even shooting. And and I love him, but Matt, you gotta be smarter than that. And taking especially if they're gonna foul you for everything. Like everything. The way the game had been called the whole time, you know. Matt's got to be smarter than that as a leader of the team. He's got to be smarter than that. When he's got the ball, when, when he's, when he's defending, you need to, to be aware of the situation. And for the most part, I think he's really grown a lot this year, but that was just a silly play. It was a silly poor decision on his part that took him out of the game. Because I'll tell you when, when the game's down to 30 seconds, 20 seconds, six seconds, as this OU game was, I want Matt Coleman on the court and that he took himself out with a silly play w- was frustrating. I'll, yeah. I'll tell you, I was, I was screaming some obscenities that probably weren't warranted, but well, it, you know, and then just after the game that we had had, I, I obviously do not blame him for the loss. It had n- that was just one of those like, Oh, well that definitely didn't like contribute to in our chances of winning, but that said, at the end of the day, it, it doesn't hurt us like in the long run. Not yeah, really. You're right. You're right. It it ultimately and it just, the commentators are saying this. Ultimately, this loss, given all of the factors that played into it, isn't going to hurt Texas in a very strong Big Twelve. Right. What I will say, I'd like to see athletes to OU though. At oh, home, it always hurts. At always. home. What What I will say, I'd like to see though, especially at the end of the game. It was there was some sloppy rebounding. This team is right. better on the boards than what we showed against OU, and and it, it kills me because with a game that was decided by one point, you get a couple of those boards back. There were a few real sloppy turnovers at the end. Again, Coleman committed one. I, I Andrew Jones committed a pretty sloppy mm-hmm. turnover. 
you know, you, if you fix those tiny little things, all of a sudden it changes the outcome, even when you're down and out right? and, and are at a disadvantage with your players and personnel. Texas was well within winning this game, even though they were down for a vast majority of the minutes. They were well within winning this game. It was just those sloppy errors towards the end. Yeah, I think fatigue was definitely an issue yeah. when you had several of the players who were in 35 plus minutes. Sure. Um, yeah. Also, but I, like looking at something positive. So Donovan Williams, 11 points, career high. Royce Ham, career high, seven points. Kai Jones, career high, 15 points. These guys got a chance to step up. They got way more playing time. So they got a chance to have a little impact. But here's what I was screaming at the TV myself when early in the game, Game. um so it was six three three six texas pulled ahead 12 six something like that with back and forth and then out of nowhere about halfway in the first half ou goes on a 13-0 run crazy oh my and god i'm screaming at the tv take a timeout take a timeout yeah. let these guys settle down figure out what's mm-hmm. not working figure out this combination of players i know they only had eight available scholarships available players available but I felt like that was a time where the assistant coach who was you know head coaching last night could have said timeout yeah and and for the rest of the game I just kept thinking why didn't they take a timeout there I'll I'll agree with you I I think Texas really felt the absence of Shaka Smart in this game um Shaka is is really on top of things. Like he is so high energy and so intellectually involved. He makes up for the crowd that's missing, <laughs> right? But but exactly in that yeah. point, he would have identified, called the timeout right there, right? I noticed that at the end of the game too, there was a particular inbound that happened where Texas needed to call the timeout, but they waited two or three seconds yeah, before agree. they called it, which mm-hmm. really. When you're talking about a game, and again, you know, football versus basketball, we can all argue the difference of seconds, but basketball is a game of milliseconds, yes. right? Yes. And that could be a possession, like two, three minutes or two, three seconds is like a possession. The difference of getting it down the court with a yes, that's shot. a position of scoring or not. And, and also, the Greg Brown chip in when he went for the missed free. Th- okay, so oh, oh I know exactly what you're miss. talking about. It was Greg Brown went. Greg Brown went up to get it and drops it in the net for two for them. Okay, what was the difference in the game? One point. Like right. all those little things. It was just weird. It was just awesome. a little Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong from by noon yesterday. <laughs> That's fair. And look, yeah. and, and I will still say, I am But still, they fought to the end. They fought and, and we saw a, a level of fight and a level of, you know, wherewithal this in this team that we haven't seen in basketball in a long time. So while, while I'm pissed that we lost to OU by one at home, I'm also going to say, I think that shows so much progression with this basketball team that fans are pissed about losing by one because we haven't been in this position in a long time. This team hasn't been this competitive in a long time. So, you know, it always sucks to lose to the Sooners. There's no question. And again, I'm going to stand men's basketball with Shaka being out, Coleman fouling out, only eight players available, five that practiced. It, it, It definitely, the odds were stacked. I don't know why this game was played now. With all the postponements we've had, why was the game played now? But it was. It yeah, is. They should have like we had six. Sure. <laughs> yeah, and and I will say, you know, this is a and again, the Big Twelve officiants didn't. The officials <laughs> certainly didn't help a goddamn thing in this game. It was awful. Every move it was, was really awful. right. Like, 
There was like, no letting them play. There was no realistic. Uh, I don't know. It, it was a, a train wreck. But again, we're Big Twelve fans. We're Big Twelve, a part of the Big Twelve. We should be used to this, no matter what the sport at this point. So I don't agree that the game should have been played, but it was. We lost by one. But the upside to this, again, Rocky, to take your philosophy and let's burst some sh- sunshine into this. Pump some sunshine. Yeah, man. I do think uh, Texas is still sitting pretty. We're yeah. still in a good position. I don't think this loss against a rival at home, given all the circumstances, is going to affect us as much as, uh, you know, a different loss might. So yeah. everybody's like kind of even when it comes to the tournament anyway, like just make the tournament. Yeah. My group, get your coach back. Yeah. We're still on track. I'm still fully confident in this team. Yeah. My just, my concern is that's now two um, home games that they've let slip away um, you've got to defend home court and then still some on the road. Mm-hmm. And they were starting off strong with road wins, but when you start slipping at home, I know, I understand the bigger picture of, of why things ended up the way they ended up last night. But I, I just, those, those home court, they're, they're going to add up at the end if you can't defend home court. Also the, the good thing, like we talked about looking for positivity, they were down eight with about three and a half minutes left. They got it to one back. They, yeah. Even with several players in yeah. crazy foul trouble, they stayed aggressive. Yep. They, they reworked what they needed to do. They stayed aggressive on defense. They got the, you know, the no points. They had like, Oh, you a couple of possessions with nothing. And they chipped away and got it to 78, 77 with 30 seconds left. Listen, this is the smartest most well-rounded Texas team that I have seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. And and I think Texas has always been really good with those star players of, Hey, we've got the Mobambo. We've got, you know, we've got certain players that'll stand out and, and really shine uh, in Jared Allen a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. But this team to me has this beautiful mix of stars and depth and depth. Right. And, and it's something that we haven't seen in a while. And again, you've got to credit Shaka Smart for yes. building and recruiting the way that he has, putting together a team like this under the pressure. Now, again, we all understand football reigns supreme at Texas, but his seat was getting pretty hot. His seat, right. I mean, Texas goes, misses the tournament. I mean, we win the NIT. Okay, fine, whatever. That ain't the tournament, right? Uh, we were champions. The the fan discourse and the, granted, again, there's not the pressure from the boosters like you see with football, mm. but amid the, the discontent that was happening on campus with hoops, Shaka still was out there recruiting his ass off, putting together a team, and yeah. we're, we're seeing the fruits of that. So I'm not ready to give up on this team. I do think that men's basketball is still sitting pretty given where we've been in the past, hell, I'm going to say it, 10 years. It's been a while. It's been, it's been since maybe, yeah. So Kevin Durant was the last time it was a big spark, <laughs> maybe. But, okay, so Texas has a game this Saturday. As far as we know, it's still happening. They're going to Kentucky. It's that Big 12 SEC challenge where they all play each other. They cross-match games. Right now, Kentucky is down. They what? are 5-10. and 10. Let me ask you all this. When this game was scheduled, what? two, three, four years ago. Who thought Texas would be the number five team? (laughs) If I had told you there was a number five team and an unranked team coming into it, I would have said it's Texas. Who would have been to be ranked? (laughs) You lie like a dog, girl. Because I'm in (laughs) Shaka. 
I'm just saying, who would have thought that Texas Nobody. would be the top 10 team and Kentucky wouldn't be ranked? That's it, crazy. Mm-hmm. And listen, anything can happen. Texas balled out against number one Gonzaga. They they balled out. So let's not let's not fool ourselves into thinking this is going to be a gimme game. Oh, Texas should win. And we don't even know what the roster is going to be Saturday. If they, we we saw Brock Cunningham was back on the court side. So maybe he will be cleared to play by then. Um, What's today? Wednesday, Thursday, three days from now, they they need to get back Courtney Ramey and Jericho Sims. They need that depth. Yes. um, Especially on the road. Yeah. Yeah. So again, let's, let's look to that game. I think this is going to be a good, reset button for Texas. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a good opportunity for the team to regroup, uh, put together a solid win against a traditional blue blood basketball, blue blood, um, and really get back on track. Again, we all know the big 12 is murderers row as far as basketball goes. So, you know, and, and let's touch on that real quick before we jump on to the next section, but this is the first time ever that a single state has had four teams in the top 10 yes. in men's basketball. So we've got Texas, Texas Tech, Baylor, and, and Houston, Houston all gracing the top 10. Look, love or hate the teams, love or hate the schools, that's an impressive goddamn feat. Yes. For Texas especially, I mean, we're known for football, not really basketball. Right. But, yeah. but again, I'm, I'm, I'm getting – Listen, I don't want to get ahead of myself, which I always do. But I'm, I'm starting yeah. to get the little tingles. Final four tingles. Listen, I'm getting I'm getting my lady loins tingles. Of, I, I'm I'm sticking of, with of, of 05. Listen, of 05, where we had a baseball team that was top five. Yes. We had a football team that was a national championship. No, baseball mm-hmm. and football won national championships that year. And basketball was in the final four. Was right? in the final four. So mm-hmm. listen, I, I don't want to overplay it. I will always 2021. We're winning everything. Listen, I, I always overplay it. my hand. Yeah, call it. Rocky put the words in my mouth. Let's call it. I feel good about this year. The Kool-Aid is flowing. I, I'm gonna say, you know, baseball, and I'm gonna touch on this real quick before we jump in. I was fortunate enough to get my tickets for baseball. It's super spread out. It's a crazy year. The 2020 year for baseball to me felt magical and it got cut off real short. Softball too. Same with softball. Mm-hmm. Baseball and softball, I'm excited about. I hate that Miranda isn't going to be pitching for us with softball for this year. If I can just jump in and say this real quick, I think I, I understand her official statement was COVID concerns. I think Homegirl is prepping for the Olympics. I hope so. It'd be love to have an Olympian. Kat Osterman is taking her under her wing. We got a little bit of Longhorn love there. I think if if I were a gambling girl, I would bet money that Miranda is going to be playing in the Tokyo Olympics. Wow. And, or and, the Florida Olympics. Yeah, well, no, we'll touch on that. But yeah, I, I think I think Miranda's pre- prepping for the Olympics. And of course, the Homer in me wants to see her come back after that. Uh, yeah. Play and win a championship for her coach, Mike White. I'd love to see it. But Listen, y'all, I think this has the potential to be a really special year for softball, baseball, basketball. And now let's go ahead and jump into Coach Sark and football. Right. So there are a lot of hires here, right? New hires. We've got a lot of questions. How do y'all feel about this staff? Let me go ahead and pose a question. How do y'all feel about this staff? I don't think there's anything to really be, I mean, I'm looking at it and I'm looking at my notes that I have here and there's, 
not a whole lot of reason to be concerned over like really anything. Like I'm, you know, there's some like, uh, maybe this guy's not as experienced here as he is in some areas. Um, so, so let's go ahead and run through the hires. Yeah. yeah. Let's start with Sark. When he put this staff together, he talked about puzzle pieces, right? And he's saying that he really thought, thinks he put the right pieces together, that he was looking for people that were energetic, that could develop, recruit. They had good experience. That's what he was looking for. He didn't even necessarily need to have his own tie to them, but if they came referred really highly by people he trusted he was interviewing people he didn't even know so he feels like he put together a pretty solid staff and recruiting and coaching and development were the top things that he kept mentioning we compare this to the last staff he said they had to have high level experience power five and nfl we talked about this the last staff right They didn't have power five experience. There was maybe a little too much loyalty versus looking. Or comfortability. Yeah. And one of the things that I really love about what what Sarkeesian is putting together with his staff is he's doing it the Alabama way. And as much as it pains my soul to say it, and I, I don't. There's a reason they went a lot. I'm not in love with Alabama, but it is a proven tried and true system. And I like seeing, I, I think that's one of the things that Texas has been missing, right? A true process and a true system on how to hire. Look, we we did the Charlie Strong thing. We did the Tom Herman thing. And I think it could be argued that those hires were made and both Charlie Strong and Tom Herman hired on emotion, Right these are guys that I know. These are guys that I've been with for a long time. These are guys that have helped me be successful. But at the same time, you're looking at an emotional decision versus a methodical decision. You're looking at an emotional choice versus a process and how you go through eliminating, right? So I, I, look, we can argue the merits of both ways. There is something to be said for loyalty, but there, that also can detract at a certain point. And I think we saw that both with Charlie Strong holding on to some of his coordinators for too long and Herman maybe not making the smartest decisions and the most aggressive coaching decisions and support staff decisions early on because of loyalty. Well, I mean, it, it it's a it's clearly shows what the, the coach values. And I think Sarkeesian's like right on the money. Like, do you value like your friendships or are you coming here to do a job and that job is to win championships and, and to win where what's more important to you? And he made the decision as far as like what's best for the program and the university. So and, and I agree with that. But what I will say that I like about what I think Sarkeesian is doing is he is utilizing his networking and his connections throughout all of college football and NFL and the NFL Mm -hmm. to say, listen, I might not know these people personally, but I'm going to listen to the people that I trust and I'm going to pay attention to my eyeball, the eyeball test, right? Right. I'm watching what you've accomplished. I'm looking at your resume. I'm listening to the people that I trust. Then I'm going to make the decision based on the best choice to get us a championship versus somebody that I want to help along and somebody who has been with me for a long time. So, right. You know, again, we can sit here and argue the merits of loyalty and all that, but I really feel that where Sarkeesian is, is truly excelling is he's bringing that humility to it, but he's also got the discipline of that Alabama approach where, listen, I'm going to get the best coach available. And, and look, you're watching Nick Saban, 
pump up his staff. Sarkeesian depleted the Alabama staff. There's no question. <laughs> but but at least the offensive side. But yeah. let's say this: Saban and everyone love or hate the man. You have to agree. He goes out and gives zero fucks, and gra- he's grabbing NFL talent. Bill O'Brien. Yes. Uh, as a Texan fan, I'll argue about that. But he's grabbing big names right and bruce arians is that who the is that the other quote coach you just got and putting them in i'm going to use this with air quotes in lower air quote position that they had been accustomed to but you know what that's why the man wins championships Mm -hmm. he he grabs these down and out coaches that are legitimate we call the nick Saban rehabilitation it is it's a rehab center for careers so yeah i mean we've got that so again let's touch base real quick kyle flood offensive coordinator o-line coach so he was um with rutgers from 2005 to 2015 so 11 seasons he went from ol coach to the running game coordinator to the assistant head coach to the offensive coordinator to the head coach he spent the last 12, 13, 14, 15, four seasons um, as head coach of Rutgers there. He had two years in Atlanta Falcons, and that's when he worked with Sarkeesian in Atlanta. And then he worked two years with him at Bama. So he knows what the system that Sark is running. He knows what kind of talent he needs up on the O-line. He has recruits like a bitch, right? He's yeah. taken the best O-line players from around the country and taught them this really smart um, system. So it sounds like flood is a home run. And listen, let me tell you, nothing gives me more joy. Tom Herman was notorious about being stingy about offers. Right. And, and I think ultimately, yeah, like you can walk that walk and you can, you can be bold and brazen about that. But ultimately when your O-line is shitting the bed, you don't get to be that cocky about it. And let me tell you, one of the things that I've been most excited, and I think what is the most tangible, visible change between the previous regime and Sarkeesian is that we are seeing so many players say, I'm blessed and honored. I'm super excited. I can now announce that I've been re-offered. I've been offered by the University of Texas. You didn't see that with Tom Herman. You saw a few big name players say, hey, Texas offered, I'm accepting. But there wasn't this, I feel like, again, there's this hype about being offered by Texas. That was a thing that, you. the University of Texas is a blue blood. And it used to be an honor to get that offer. Mm-hmm. And I think that had, that had been a little lackluster lately, that had lost some of its shine, right? And yeah, I think- brought with, it back in the month that he's been here. That's like, what I'm saying. In, in a yeah. very short amount of time, I think we're seeing some top recruits and we're seeing transfers and grad transfers. And from all over the country. All over the country, excited and proud to get those offers from the University of Texas. And I will say, I love, and look, I'm not a fool. I know exactly that these guys are coming in and saying, hey, we're offering you, go ahead and put it on social media. That is part of the package deal, right? Mm-hmm. But I love that. Fuck it. Let's live in it. Social media matters. The 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 That's hype cool. around it, the, the discussion, the excitement. Yes, it does. It matter. matters, yes. man. How people react, getting those you have a top recruit coming in and all of a sudden you have this huge monster that is Texas Twitter boosting up that recruit. If you're telling me that doesn't make a difference in the ego of an 18 year old kid, I'm going to tell you you're a fool. This is why we have a social media directors. Yeah. 
it's, Come it's on, y'all. Why Texas. It's why we measure social media. It's why we measure engagement. It, it has an effect. It really does. So I'm loving to see that. So, all right. So we've talked about Kyle flood. We're yes. seeing again, I think we can all agree. The O-line has been a, a weak point for Texas recruiting I, and development. Yes. So I think we're going to see immediate change with Kyle flood coming on. Then we also have Jeff Banks that yes. was hired. Assistant Good head Lord. coach, special teams coordinator, tight ends coach. Um, he has Texas ties. He was at UTEP from 04 to 11. He was with the Aggies um, 13 to 17 as tight end special teams. But what was really funny is when I looked up his history, the one time he was a quote-unquote head coach, he was the interim head coach for the Aggies when they were in that Battle of the Belt Bowl, <laughs> where they lost to they lost. Forest 55-52. But I wouldn't blame that on Jeff Banks because they put 52 points up and that was his job. So, yep. the, yeah, he was this, the um, interim head coach of that game. That was his one head coaching. <laughs> Count it. Let's yeah. call it. And then, of course, he was with, uh, then from there he went to Bama and was tied in special teams. What was pretty cool is he's putting those tied in offers out too already nationally. One of the Penn State commits was like, hey, I got an offer from Texas. Yeah. He is one of the best recruiters in the nation for any position coach, like across the board. Like that was such a monumental grab like to get him just for recruiting purposes, like just on that alone. No question. No question. And and look, I, again, I'm going to chime in and say it is exciting for me as a fan, as a supporter, as somebody who's involved with the, the, the game, it is exciting for me to see kids excited about Texas again. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something we got a little bit of a boost when Tom Herman was hired initially, we saw that the recruiting spiked high, right? Yeah. It, it did. But I think we're seeing like, I think there's a little bit of that. Oh shit. We got some dudes that like Ooh, yeah. walk, walk and talk the talk because they wanted Alabama. We've got some dudes with some hardware that are coming in and here we are. Listen again, I'm going to comment on this. I hated the move that Texas social media made when Sark got the uh, coach, the offensive coach, Oh, they I mean, acted like and it Texas played it. Oh, we that totally like, oh, look at our ever. head coach. But, and listen, man, there is a way, in my opinion, there is a way to say, let's brag about the guy that we just hired, but not let's brag about his accomplishments without making it look like we're claiming his accomplishments when he wasn't here. So I thought that was a faux pas on, it looked, it on Texas's part. <laughs> but yeah, again, look. hopefully we grow from that. And I, I'd be silly to say that it didn't matter that, you know, Jeff Banks and Kyle Flood and Coach Sarkeesian are garnering all of these incredible offensive honors for the work that they did at Alabama, for the work that they've done previously. I, I think that that is something that Texas should definitely play on, but let's be a little smarter about how we brag about it, right? Well, the good thing is they, they've gotten all these awards together, but they've also gotten them working together. Right. So they know each other. You know, Sarkeesian talked about that. They know what makes the system work. They know how to coach the system. Right. If Sarkeesian has to go and work somewhere else, he can trust these two guys to inst- keep installing and teaching it and coaching it the way he needs it taught. Yeah. So that that's going to be a huge, uh, he doesn't have to go teach his system to new coaches. Right. They can get right to work. Right. And like you said, uh, Hannah, you had mentioned Milwee. He's right there. He said it's a right-hand guy. 
So he's he did have six years as an offensive coordinator, but lower level. Yeah. But still, he he Red said Akron, he's right? Red Akron, yeah. right? But he's yeah. learning knows this system right right alongside the other guys so that would and he was one of he was one of the first hires too so i mean that tells you a lot right there like bring him like pretty right off the bat who he wanted right and brought him in so and and let's quickly finish like round out the offense we've got andre uh andre coleman for wide receivers and stan drayton who were, were, were hating yeah for the run game coordinator yeah. and the rb coach so listen I think Drayton was a knockout of the park. I, I think Texas would have been at a detriment to lose him. Absolutely. He knows yeah. the high school circuit. He knows the coaches. He's in good standing with them. He's got yeah. great yeah, relationships. So he has big dogs in the NFL. Right. And that yeah. means a lot. Well, so, that and like his unit adores him. You can yeah. see that he has formed meaningful relationships. Like uh, you hear nothing but praise from from Bijan, from Rojo, from right. these kids. And so like, I think there was absolutely no reason to get rid of him. Like we already had the best. So sure. Sorry. And, I, and I, will say, I will say, you know, some coaches tendencies are to come in and just clean house and say, F it. If they weren't my guys, I don't want them here. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that Sarkeesian came in and said, no, I'm going to actually evaluate each person here yeah. and, and, and take a look. So Again, I think looking at the offense, it is hard to deny like all the talent that is on our coaching staff and then the talent, just the raw talent that we have on the offense. Again, I'm excited to see how Casey Thompson develops. Uh, I'm excited to see how Hudson Card plays in mm -hmm. in a filler role. I hope to see a quarterback battle, but ultimately I think it's Thompson's team. He knows the team. He knows the plays. I, I really want to see that. He clearly like doesn't have like freshmen or or just like newbie jitters. Yeah, those literally. And he bowled out at the Alamo. I mean, it is. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Speaking, you know, it was talking about this offense. You're talking about what um, Sarkeesian's looking for. So we will have, you know, on paper, there's going to be a QB battle. I think he's going to give them both an opportunity to prove who can lead this team. And when he was asked, what is he looking for in this QB battle? This is what he said. Make sure they've got le good leadership skills at the start here. Two, that they're, that they are coachable, right? You, you want to be coachable early on because clearly we're going to teach some things that are different than what they were taught before. Not that it's right, not that it's wrong. That's just the way we go about it. So if, if you've got good leadership qualities, you're coachable, right? Meaning, hey, we're gonna ask you to do something maybe a little bit different. Can we get those things done? Can we do transition? Then it'll work itself into the arm talent, the decision-making, right? The accuracy, uh, the ability to make throws under duress. Uh, all those things will start to show itself up, but it's going to start with the leadership, which they both possess a lot of, and then it's going to end we're going to get ourselves into coachability, right? Can they really uh, absorb what we're bringing into them? And then can they go out and start to execute it once we get going? So it's very early. Uh, and it's probably too early even to say all that, but we've got a long way to go with the position. There you go. So do, who do you think that favors now? Leadership and coachability. <laughs> Who do you think that favors now with Casey Thompson or Hudson Card? I said what I said. I still agree. I think it's Thompson's to lose. So yeah, I agree. He balled out at the Alamo Bowl. He he's older leadership. He knows the team. He knows the players. He knows um, again. All of these guys are going to be starting over, learning a whole new offense, learning a whole new scheme. But 
Casey Thompson is one of the smartest, most intellectual football players you will ever find. Mm-hmm. He's got the guns to back it up. I really think that he is going to excel in this in this schematic. And I'm in- excited for him. Me too. Me too. God. I also think with like even looking at the Alamo Bowl because that's really the only big totally chunk of right. play we got to see him, and he blew it up his opportunity um i if you even elevated everyone around him like the entire team Mm -hmm. played better offense and defense the entire team played better once he took the field and that really sparked even the o-line was like where has this team been for a while everybody looked good when casey thompson came out and he just had a fire and a leadership quality about him and of course we don't know yet with hudson card he hasn't had the same time to develop yet or get the same playing time but the spark wasn't the same and that's just my eyeballs uh, the, the spark is Casey Thompson well now. and again you're talking about senior leadership versus a, baby. a true freshman yeah. A freshman yeah. yeah so so listen I think Hudson Card will be the future of this program mm-hmm. but Casey Thompson is the immediate future and I think he has with the, the the coaching staff that's come in I think that Casey Thompson has the ability to be successful fast and be successful big you know like I I think that's something that's coming in so I think they're going to maximize that this staff is like really going to be able to draw out like his full potential for sure that could be really exciting like really exciting so for sure all right so defense let's let's talk about the defense a little bit we have listen I'm going to let you go ahead and pronounce quiet Kwiatkowski. I have to say it like Boo from Monsters Inc. because that's PK. all. PK. They said yeah. Colin Pete, Pete, Pete Kwiatkowski, <laughs> DC outside linebackers coach. Okay, this was pretty neat. So he was at Boise State, Montana State. Interesting how many of them were at Boise State and Montana State and Washington. Boise. Like Boise. Boise, yeah. They Boise. all crisscross each other. But the reason that Sark chose him, fast, physical, attacking, cutting edge. And this was my favorite. He was a thorn in my side. <laughs> He's, this is why if, if you, you can't, can't beat, beat him, him, join him. him. I he love it. Sark did beat him. But <laughs> if you can't beat him, join him. And who, who really is like, I don't want to go against that person. I want them on my yeah. side. Obviously, the, the defensive uh, coordinator hire lingered for a good while. And there was right. a lot of speculation. And we were all kind of like, Oh my God, what's going on? You know, we're we just going to score here. a ton of points. And then when, when <laughs> it was announced, it was kind of like, who, what? It was not a name that was being thrown around. It, it, it was a, a Pac-12 guy. He's <laughs> a, like a Pac-12 hire. And so it's kind of, it, it kind of like, I think took a lot of people off guard. But when you started breaking down and like really looking at him and his, accom- his accomplishments and like you said, Megan, his style, like the, yeah. the type of defenses that he runs. It's like, oh, oh. And then, oh, I, oh. Really, Rocky, yeah. you mentioned this earlier, like the type of offenses that are played in the Pac-12, like he's used to facing what he's going to see in the Big 12, something very, very similar. So yeah, here, let's hear Sark tell us about that, why he thinks Kwiatkowski, PK, is a good fit for translating his multiple styles of defense to the big 12 to the big 12 clearly he's had a great deal of success over the years against the air raid or the or the mike leach type systems um has defended them well every every time he's played them but i I think the one thing that working in the pac-12 provides there is a variety of offenses that you face throughout the years in that league whether it was the oregon's when they were going really fast 
the Washington States with the air raid or now USC with the air raid to the Stanford who lines up in the two and three tight end sets. Um, so the, the multiplicity of offenses that you see, I think has allowed him to grow as a coach to make sure that he has enough multiples on defense to defend all of the variables that you get. Because in reality, when you look around our conference right now, it is a pretty multiple offensive offensive uh, conference. When you go from one extreme at Texas Tech to the other extreme at Iowa State and everybody else in between, I think you have to be multiple. You, you can't be one dimensional and it won't be an experiment for him because he's been doing that now oh, for the past seven to 10 years uh, from, from a coordinator standpoint. All right, so he says all the way from Texas Tech to Iowa State, somewhere in there is OU. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving it. I, I, I don't Listen, think he meant that shade. Listen, he's already throwing shade at him. I, 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 I way, way, way read too much into that, and I'm here <laughs> for it. No, but he did say, so we talk, we talk about this all the time. The people still think the Big 12 is just throwing around all day, but really they're not. You have teams that want to run the ball. We have Iowa State wants to run the ball. K-State wants to run the ball. Baylor still wants to run the ball. Like Oklahoma this, runs the ball. Oklahoma right. runs the ball. Texas wants to run the ball. So God, Bijan, don't care. God, Bijan, okay. But and and then we have the spread them out text of the of the world, you know. Right. So it's it's interesting that he with he's bringing in a coach with experience every week preparing and preparing his players to be versatile and multiple and come four on the line or two on the line or three on line. Like he's not committed to one system. He's yeah. ready to be flexible and he has experience with that in the Pac-12. Well, and I would argue that's where really we failed at Texas prior there was this mentality of fuck you this is my system I don't care what players I have I'm gonna drill it in and yes it didn't work yeah it didn't work we saw that we saw that with the last Alamo Bowl not not the 2020 but prior we saw as soon immediately when we were playing Utah, as soon as you change that defensive scheme to actually fit the players that you have, mm. holy shit, what a novel concept. That was Nivar, right? Craig Nivar, Nivar stepped yeah. up to scheme that together. All of a sudden, Texas blew up on defense and turned into this powerhouse. So I love hearing a coach say, I understand all of these different kinds of defenses and I'm going to do what makes the most sense. Shocker alert against the offenses that we're playing. I, I, I don't love the idea of this hardball, whatever, this is what I know. So this is what we're sticking to. I, I really want to embrace this, this <laughs> concept of, again, it shouldn't be novel, but it is at Texas adjusting to the offenses that you're playing and playing a defense, having your guys prepared to play a defense that best suits the offense that you are going up against well, not just the offense but like your actual your individual players like strengths and weaknesses exactly. like what they can do what they're capable of doing where they excel and if that means like maybe move them to slightly different positions or use them in different ways like it's all about that too matched up with like you said the the, the offenses that they're facing so agreed. agreed so he he's even has a pretty solid list of of guys he's put into the NFL over the last few years. We heard Vita Vea's name all weekend long in oh, the championship games yeah. this weekend. That's one of his guys. So he's got some top talent 
um, that he's recruiting and developing and putting in the NFL. And we know, again, that speaks to the recruits. Right. They want to see that. So let's move on. Anything else about PK? No, we got All right. Bo Davis is back. Yes, Bo back. Davis is back. Bo, Can I just talk about the funniest thing that I saw on social media? <laughs> is that Bo Davis did not have a Twitter account prior yes. to being <laughs> and officially announced. Hired and guess who gets a Twitter And all of a sudden it's like, well, fuck, I guess I got to get a Twitter account. Yeah. <laughs> I'm at Texas. I need to have a Twitter account. I love it. And listen, he embraced it and ran with it well. And all of a sudden he had the announcement. And now he's he's thrown in some Ferraris. So we're good. I yeah. like it. I, I don't hate it. But listen, I'm excited to have Bo Davis back because, again, to me, this is one of those really intellectual hires that Sarkeesian is making. Bo Davis is a guy that not only has the experience at Texas, at Bama, at my Detroit Lions, yeah, Lions. y'all. And he, he is an excellent recruiter, but he gets, he truly gets what it is to play for Texas and to coach at Texas. And to me, that is invaluable. You right. need to have a guy on the team that can relate and again, I think this is his going to be a huge strength for him recruiting at Texas. He can talk about the experience coaching here. He can talk about the experience playing here. Mm-hmm. He knows the ins and outs and all the ups and downs of what Texas is. And I think he's really going to bring that honest take uh, to recruits of what it means to, to wear Texas across your chest. Right. I, right. I really think that's going to make a huge impact. That and then uh, leading right on into another guy on defense, staff member Blake Gideon, who, again, another Longhorn. Right. Who could also like team up with that. Like, Megan, that you hit the nail on the head. That is invaluable because it's not like playing in any other school. There are very, very few programs that can even like somewhat relate to like the pressure and like all that's expected at the University of Texas. So, Right. Right. So Blake, Blake Gideon's back. Yeah, Blake Gideon. Blake, Blake Gideon's back. Tell Blake Gideon. He's he um is going to be coaching safeties yeah. um, at Texas. He's already blowing up nationally as a great special team, sharp mind, son of a coach. Um, he, listen, this is what Sark said about having to go get Gideon. It was a no brainer. He had to go get him. One of the first guys on his list. All of that to have him on your staff. Well, I'd always, he had kind of come across my radar a year ago when I had a couple job opportunities that I ended up not going on. Uh, so he had, he'd kind of been on my radar. And then oddly enough, when this job came about and ended up taking this job, it just seemed like a no brainer. Um, and the quick funny story is, you know, he was working for Lane Kiffin, who Lane and I you know, know each other fair, pretty well. And I overheard Lane just two different times reference Blake about how good of a coach he was and how, you know, what his future, you know, looked like. And so when I got the job, it was like, this is one of the first guys I'm going to get today. And clearly when you start talking about in state, the relationships he has with the high school coaches, his father, um, those things on a recruiting front are just huge. And then the connection to the history and tradition of those other great players that he played with. Um, I think he can be an awesome sounding board for the players on our current roster about what it, how to go about it, what it's like. And, you know, that, that's, you know, those, a lot of those things are invaluable. You, you can't get that through experience. You, you only get it by doing what he's done and where he grew up and coming here to play. So uh, it really just feels kind of like a home run hire for us um, and pumped to have him. Home run hire. Love it. So listen, 
love or hate Lane Kiffin, I am not a, the biggest fan of the man as like personality wise, but I don't know him. So, you know, it seems like he's gone through a bit of redemption, uh, you know, like, in his, Sark. like Sark in his own career. But you have to admit that Sark and Lane Kiffin are incredibly close and they're both really intelligent football minds. So I love to hear that Sark, again, this goes back to him leaning on who he knows and who he respects mm-hmm. in the industry. And Kiffin talking about Gideon at Ole Miss, Gideon's made some waves at a really young age Yes, as for what he's done with Ole Miss. And to get that endorsement from Kiffin, I think is really what sealed the deal for Sarkeesian. Now, listen, first of all, I want to say Blake Gideon has 100% the hardest picture ever and the most baller ass picture ever of any football player ever taken. Oh, coming out of that tunnel. In the tunnel. Yes. Where he's, he's like, that was hot. Listen, that was hot. amazing. So, and I don't want to hear a goddamn Texas fan say a single word about the drop. We are past it. We've moved on. That is one thing that I have been, full disclosure, bitter about with Texas fans about how ugly they generally have been mm-hmm. to Gideon. Listen, your team effort, did it suck? Yes. Do you think that man doesn't think about that every day? Of course he does. Get over it. Now he's our coach and he is, he has the experience. He's been through the wonderful highs and the really painful lows of, <laughs> of what it means to play for Texas football. I think Gideon's going to be something special for I Texas. I think he's going to be great. I don't know how long we hold on to him. I think he's one of the first coaches that leaves Texas. I do. Hopefully go to the NFL, if anything, because um, he's so much at Texas. Well, <laughs> the only the only thing, like, he's going to get to learn under Kwiatkowski and, I guess, Terry Joseph. We'll get to him in a second. Um, he's going to get to learn against under some more experienced players. So if anything, maybe they move on and, and Gideon moves I don't up. Know. I think Gideon happens faster. I think we've got some of these old school guys that have been there, done that, and they've run their circuits and they've gone through the routes. And I think they're going to buy into the Sarkeesian thing. I think Gideon is young enough to say, he's going to say, Hey, I'm going to develop here under this incredible staff and, and go take a DC spot. Yeah. And maybe a group of five. Yeah. That I would think, be great. I think he's going to get poached faster than the other coaches. That's, that's my hot take. That's what I'm saying now. Maybe well, I'm totally wrong, but I agree completely. Um, can we talk about Terry Joseph? Let's drop it. Let's um, talk about Terry Joseph. <laughs> so um, defensive, defensive pass game coordinator, secondary coach. He's from New Orleans. He played baseball and was actually in the major leagues and played for the Cubs. We've like got he, a little Mike Harge. Coming yeah. In. We have Juan Cosby coming yeah. in. Like. <laughs> so, um, then he had some break in time. His resume doesn't show. And then he comes to be analyst and coaching and he starts coaching at AM. He coached at North Carolina. Um, apparently when he was the DB coach at 14, 15, 16, that's when Texas was breaking up all the best DBs. Yep. He wasn't recruiting them. He wasn't getting them there. D-B-U. Yeah. And then, so he's at Notre Dame. Sark says the reason he hired him is because his DBs played Alabama harder than anyone all year. I and respect he respected that. the way they were coached up. Uh, but so well, I was listening to Kevin Dunn and he was talking about, he's real tied into the Notre Dame. Nobody there is sad that he's gone. And, <laughs> and he's, you know, he said it a few times before that of all the hires, he feels like this is the weakest 
spot, the most questionable paper, spot. I'd have, I'd have, I'd have to agree with that. One thing I will say, you know, and again, maybe I'm being petty as hell, but I think one of the ways that you can gauge the level of hires that Texas is making right now is by other fan reactions, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, I know that is, this is not scientific, y'all. This isn't a perfect a system. Fact. <laughs> but anytime <laughs> you piss research. off OU and AM at the same time, and then the, when you're hiring these coaches and you're watching their fan bases get worked cry, up about it. Cry online. Right. Anytime <laughs> that Ohio State there. fans rear their ugly heads and talk shit, they you know are. you're doing something right. And and if Bama is going, God damn, this is a problem, well, you're doing something right. And and I agree with you, Rocky. I think that every single hire outside of Joseph, we've had those reactions, right? Joseph hasn't necessarily had that same reaction. Now, I will give him the benefit of the doubt. We've just got a grad transfer from Notre Dame him. that was a baller who's yeah. following his coach and frankly we're thin at that position so I'm happy to have him come in and say hey I'm gonna play hard for my coach it's, it's not like a I think that both Charlie Strong and Tom Herman made like way more questionable hires than, oh, than absolutely than, than him. Yes. so if this one, oh God, if this See, is like the one question mark on yeah, the whole listen, staff, I'm not mad about really, it. really good. Yeah, I'm not oh, mad about yeah, it. Yeah, he still has a heck of a resume. He's an incredible athlete himself. And he does have, like, again, Coach PKDC, who is an experienced DB coach as well, who can coach him up. And if Sark says, uh, get the whole season, the one coach that I looked across the field and said damn they're they're giving us everything I need that coach with me the same as he did you know yeah so I guess we have to trust in trust, Sark we trust and right? Sark making trust and <laughs> <laughs> again this is not a tangible this is something that's totally petty and ridiculous to judge things by but the thing that I want is for Joseph to understand what DBU means and what that argument plays out to be we've been fighting lsu for that title well he's from new orleans so right. i'm sure he grew up around so that he should talk. get it with lsu wanting to claim that mm-hmm. texas originated the dbu in my opinion they originated the dbu acronym right like they're the ones that came, texas came in and said fuck y'all this is what we do this is how we're playing it lsu rightfully took that title and and has recently balled out against UT and and had more argument to claim DBU. So I hope that Joseph understands what that title means and how important it is, in my opinion. Like, listen, we're Texas. We got pride. <laughs> we want to claim that. If we built it, we want to own it. So right. I, 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 I kind of like Jay Vlies. He, he's not here anymore, but when he was here last season, I like kind of like his attitude is like, let them call you DBU. <laughs> you don't worry about it. You just go ball out. And if you're DBU, they'll tell you. Um, but the cool thing about ter- Terry Joseph is his cousin is Vance Joseph, who was the head coach of the Denver Broncos for a couple years. That's his cousin. So I <laughs> There's, yeah. Hey man, a little bit of connection there. Well, speaking of the DB coach and who almost wasn't, 
Or yeah. no, wait, I said we that have, wrong. You got to bring it up, girl. We have to talk about it, y'all. Here it is. The Stoops Oops. <laughs> the Oops heard around the nation. Yeah. The almost, the almost catastrophe, the slamming on your brakes, screeching to a halt of this whole hashtag. All thing. gas, all brakes. All, <laughs> all gas, all the fucking brakes, dude. Whoa, what is happening? Whoa, whoa. What happened, okay. Hannah? Tell us what happened. We, we have to talk about this because it was a big deal. There has been a lot of speculation on social media. Like, it, well, because he was a name that was brought up like in the beginning when Sarks first got hired. Then it got quiet for a while and then it just exploded again. And, you know, we're Texas fans. And with anybody with the last name of Stoops gets brought into our little bubble, like, oh, you're, there's going to be some strong comments. And by golly, there were some very strong comments, a lot of speculation over whether it was like just a rumor or real. And well, ladies, we know we've heard. I've got heard. It's very he much real. He was leaving. Listen, them. I've got yeah, like it, he was coming to Texas and. I've got a little clarity on that. So again, without getting too in depth about who we talked to, when Sarkeesian first came to Texas, he brought up Mike Stoops. That was within the first week of him being here. And Sarkeesian was told under, there there was no pretense. There was no dancing around it. He was told very clearly, tread lightly with that name. And so Sark initially Sark wanted to hire him Mike Stoops as the first hire and again he was warned against it out of the block that's not your best move tread lightly you're going to piss a lot of people off so Sark then took heed to that made some really solid hires both on offense and defense Mm -hmm. and two weeks later floated the Mike Stoops name again he thought he had built enough thought he had built enough And it turned out as soon as that name became even a fart of a reality, Texas blew up. The fan base reacted. The donors reacted. Some of the varsity guys reacted. Uh, there (laughs) There was a very serious pushback. And I'm not just saying from people who are petty about the OU name. There was a lot of concern about... Mike Stoops' history, his politics, about his politics, about his personality, about who he was and how he would represent the University of Texas. Uh, Again, I I know personally some pretty heavy hitters that came in. There were text messages sent. There were emails sent. This was a big deal. This was a problem. Um, And as soon as that name became publicly known, there was such backlash against it that Texas and Sarkeesian, and I will give Sarkeesian this, he recognized it, they shut it down. Yeah. But Hannah, to your question, it was absolutely a done deal. Stoops had already, already made the announcement to Alabama. He had already said, I'm leaving. He had already packed his shit. He was ready to be in Austin and I, I know this to be national media was reporting. It. I know this to Austin be fact. <laughs> I know this to be fact. Yeah. Texas Twitter, Texas fan base, and boosters and longtime varsity players said, and, and I don't mean varsity players literally. I mean it figuratively. Longtime Texas supporters came in and said, "Absolutely not," and it shut down that hire. So again, listen, we can go back and forth about what means what we touched on it but 
this was 100% a decision that was influenced by social media and by fan base response. So right, wrong, or indifferent. And again, this is what I've been saying all along, Texas social media, Texas fans matter. Texas boosters matter. What they say and their inputs have an impact. And you, we saw it play out real time with the Stoop Soups, right? (laughs) The name comes up and the immediate and this, like it was a visceral, violent backlash. Yeah, yeah. Against just that name, that against who Mike Stoops is on a whole. Yeah, the backlash that that immediately came back with him literally changed the course of hiring. So again, people well, may say that social media doesn't matter. It totally matters. Fan reaction doesn't matter. It fucking matters. It has not well. We're and in Steve Sarkeesian, world. yeah, Steve Sarkeesian just got like, he just got christened in a way. Like, oh, welcome to Texas. It's Girl, really- that was trial by fire. I agree with there you. There you go. You, you have faced your first yeah. little bit of drama. You <laughs> have passed the first challenge. Here it is. And now that we can, we can be all gas, no breaks again. <laughs> yeah, uh, I get it. Ahead again. We were all gas, no breaks, and then it was all gas, pump the brakes. Ooh, slam the brakes. All gas, no brakes. And now we can go. We yeah. Can- so we got a couple more coaches. We're going to blast through them. Yeah, and then real quick. It hasn't been officially announced yet by Texas football, but Jeff Choate has updated his own social media. He's coming as co-DC slash linebackers coach. He worked at Boise State, running back, special teams, Florida, Washington. And while at Boise State, he crossed paths with PK. Washington, he was there while PK was there. So DC, Kwiatkowski, really knows him well. They worked together for five or six years here, two or three years there. So he really knows him. He left the head coach of Montana State, where he'd been for five seasons, left a head coaching job to come take a co-DC linebackers coaching job. Uh, So that's amazing. The name of Texas spoke, the opportunity spoke. So welcome, Jeff Choate. Yay. All right. Last last one on the staff, Tori Becton, director of football performance. He's been with Cal. He is the training, velocity training expert. This is the most interesting thing Sark said. It's not about how much the players can lift, but how fast can they move it. Right. I, I heard. I that, love that. I don't know it if is this good. is true or not. So I'm just going to say I heard. The players were like maxing out one or two days before games and w- crazy weird things that, why are they fatiguing their bodies like that? Right. Just They weren't doing... I guess we're learning more and more the kind of efficient, um, physical, functional. And I thought Yancey training. was a baller, but I thought he was out. great. But I mean, there's always new styles, right, of training and and everything. But anyway, so Sark loves loves Beckton says they're very aligned with their philosophy on how to get the players in the most uh, the best physical condition and explosiveness, explosiveness, velocity. Those were the words he kept using. So welcome Tori Beckton. We're excited to have you here. Yay. Love it. Yay. That's Yay. We have a staff. There you all go. That's our way overstated opinions. All right. Really quick. Now that we know the staff fire question real quick. If you had to pick now, if we play full 12 game season, Hannah with this staff, how many games do we win? And way too early January 20th. Oh, no, don't think about it. Go. Go. 11 and 1. Ah, I love it. I'm going to say 10 and 2. That's I'm going to say 10 and 2. Ah. 
I, I just can't. Yeah, good job. 11. Ooh, I, like I it. wish it was 11. I, I like that cockiness, girl. Look right. at me. The one who is the what? most like, adamant about not drinking Thank the damn food. All right. Good job, everybody. <laughs> All right. So let's let's wrap that up. So now we, we, we've been going a while. Let's let's wrap up our talk. <laughs> so many fun um, things happening, but we wanted to just do a quick rapid fire give you our quick thoughts on something we're trying something a little new yeah we're trying something a little (laughs) new because we talk too much and we got to not talk so much so we're gonna do this we're gonna do a bomb's gonna go off when the bomb goes off it's time to move to the next one so just go ready cdc cristo conte ad of texas is going to be on the college football playoff committee i love it let's (laughs) let's go cdc it's about freaking time I love it. He's done enough to earn that spot, but also I'm a homer as shit. So vote Texas number one every time, every week, every week, (laughs) regardless. I think this would help if we get to a point where maybe Texas is a one loss big 12 champion and maybe the Aggies like fit their record this year. And one team's in. Maybe there was an undefeated Pac-12 champion and a Big Ten champion. And they, who do you put in, Texas or A&M? Oh, I'm sorry. We got where Texas is in. Moving on. Logan Holgerson is leaving his <laughs> We all have to have a moment to have a solid belly laugh about this. I'm going to go ahead and respond and say, how much of a shitty-ass coach do you have to be that your own son doesn't want to play for you? We heard he was awful. Yeah. I Listen, West Virginia friends have chirped in on this consistently. We watched Eric DeKing bounce his way King. up. D.R. King. Sorry, yeah. I do that every time. What was he leaving? Derek. Was he not? Was he in the tr- no. portal? Was he not? Then he as goes to as, Miami. As yeah. soon as Holgerson came in, he was like, D.R. King was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and sit this shit out, coach. Yeah. He was out. So your own son pieces out on you. That is an indictment on you as a coach. And a son and a father, you know, to be honest, but like, oh, it's just funny. I'm not a big Dana Holgerson fan. So who is? None of us at this point. Moving on, Club Nick, Westlake quarterback. He is loading up the offers. He was just offered again officially by Texas. He has um, an offer from AM, which he's really proud of. He's got big offers from all over the country Auburn, Baylor. On and on and on. So he is, his parents both went to AM. What are you thinking? Listen, I will say if you are a Texas high school state champion, you deserve all the offers you can get. Mm-hmm. He is a, a legacy at AM. I think it would be an absolute steal to get him to commit to UT. UT is pretty stacked at quarterback. So I think he's got some options there, but it would be the ultimate. Um, slippity slap in the face to yours who turned us down after all the drama to be right yeah public that that beat him in the state just beat him. So right. i think texas should throw everything in the kitchen sink at him and and hope we pick him up i'm gonna say i think we have maybe a 52 percent chance of picking him up i would lean aggie but yeah. Yeah, i think just naturally and then AM's like really hot right now so yeah argue that texas is going to be pretty hot with the sarkeesian here right trip pipery ha listen this is my boy if y'all have been sleeping on texas track y'all are missing out i was sleeping yeah Sorry. listen i've been sleeping trip too. is a gold medalist 
He was a junior Olympian. Wow. He is literally ranked number two in the, not the nation, y'all, in the world right now. In what sport? In shot put. Okay. And he is killing it at the yes. indoor. He is an indoor-outdoor athlete for Texas track. He is absolutely shattering records. Not only is he number two in the world, but he is number two on Texas's all-time shot put records. So listen, if y'all aren't paying attention to Texas track, you need to because Trip is making some freaking ripples. He is a beast. Is he making triples? The triples. Wow. Thanks for that. (laughs) Listen, this kid, again, he's an Olympian. He's a gold medal winner. He is an incredible student athlete. So I would love to watch him finish out his track career. And fuck it. Let's offer him O-line. Let's do this. All right. Speaking of the Olympics, Florida, (laughs) the state of Florida says that if Japan can't handle the Olympics, they'll take them 2021. (laughs) Raging COVID cases and nobody can get a vaccine there unless you live in the hottest Miami zip code. Um, Thoughts? <laughs> like that's just so weird and random. No, not not a city. It's usually a host city, but now the, the just the state of Florida says okay, gonna- put them somewhere in Florida. Let's call it a day. We'll just know. we'll we'll play it by ear, y'all. Let's and go. We'll do it all in three months, and people take five, eight years. To yeah, plan. I feel like this is a very Florida man move, where it turns out <laughs> that like yeah. if Tokyo turns it down, and Florida's like. We got gator bats and bear, y'all come and bring it in. I don't understand it. I would hate it. And, you know, that's my take. It's just silly. It's goofy. But it's funny. (laughs) I love the bomb. I love that bomb. All right. Badass wives. We can't talk coaching staff without talking about the, the best L'Oreal Sarkeesian, Sarkeesian, Sark's wife, the pole assassin. We oh have my the ass bitches coming to Texas. I love, I love it. it. I love it. I mean, it can't be bad for recruiting. That's all I got to say. 100%. Listen, I don't care <laughs> the people that are saying like, oh, recruits are very tuned into the. Listen, if your coach's wife is hot as shit, you get bonus points. And L'Oreal, like she is a stylist and incredible. And I've said it on Twitter and I will say it again. If the LHN passes on a style show with L'Oreal, they are missing a huge opportunity. And let me tell you, fun. if they but, don't put some pole assassins <laughs> after, after midnight, coach, and, and I am not going to sit here and late night program. She is stunning, gorgeous, she talented, is. beautiful. I am in awe when she performs. And, and look, I, I've watched her stuff. I don't care who you are. You have to respect the grace and the strength, the power that goes into what she's doing. I have been both annoyed and amused by the idiots that are watching her and judging and trying to make some like asinine ass comments. First of all, she'd never consider you. So if you're a Bubba with a beer gut sitting in a, your mama's basement, you don't get to judge her for how amazing she like, is. Like, yeah. And the shit. She is a badass. She's amazing. And these are the same guys who like, you know, have your subscriptions to every porn site imaginable. Listen, I'm going to give her her snaps. Like girl can work it. She knows where her strengths are. Again, she is graceful, powerful, Incredible athlete. beautiful. That's, that's athletic. I don't care who you are. That's athletic. So I, I think whatever again, and, and I was all about some Michelle Herman. She was a ride or die. I have no hate against her, but 
I am not angry about the, the coaches' wives that have stepped up on the 40. I think we, we are doing well. Yeah, Michelle Herman was an awesome, awesome wife. Absolutely. She was really cool. So loving it, loving it. Hank Aaron. Oh. Rest in peace, Hank Aaron. He died on January 22nd, just a few days ago. 23 seasons with Major League Baseball, Milwaukee and Atlanta Braves, 755 home runs. Look, I have a lot of feelings about this. When I was a kid, Hank Aaron was it. He was a man that, uh, I'm going to take some time to say this because I want to be thorough and respectful. He changed the game of baseball and not just through his record. He was a considerate, compassionate, and incredibly intelligent human who through every action, every action that he made, everything that he did was a thoughtful, intentional action. He endured hatred in ways that we are so privileged not to have to go through. He endured a lot of ugliness in his life and he always made it through with this incredible outlook and this incredible positivity and he was always pressing forward and he did so much for the game of baseball, so much for humanity, so much for the United so States, the world of sports. I, I just, I, mm-hmm. I, I cannot overstate what a huge blow this was to the world that Hank Aaron has passed. What an incredible beaming light of humanity. And, and I'm, we are lesser for not having him in this world that that's my thoughts i don't think there's anything to add rocky that's pretty <laughs> okay. much it thank you Harry and karen rest in power yeah. last one super bowl we'll just make a quick pick as of today we saw the yeah. Chiefs beat the bills the bucks beat the saints now we have the mahomes brady yeah. in his millionth super bowl <laughs> quick pick uh, what do you got chiefs or bucks and i think chiefs opened as a Big favorite. Yeah, I think the Chiefs just are top to bottom, just a more complete team. I think that they're going to – I don't know what the spread is. Shout out to Kelly and the Chiefs. I'm picking the Chiefs to win too. Not not to be that guy, but I have to agree. I think Mahomes just brings the heat. He's got the sauce. Hannah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. They're a more well-rounded team. But I'm going to say this, and I hate Tom Brady – to the depth of my core. Me too. I cannot stand the man, but you got to respect a dude that leaves a team that he had been with his entire career, literally like picks a random ass team in the NFL and says, hey, fuck it. Y'all want to go to the Super Bowl? Hey, Gronk, what you, what you doing? <laughs> yeah. Literally like random and he doesn't. team and takes their ass to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So as much as I don't like the man, I got to respect the man. So uh, again, I'm going to say it's going to be the old goat versus the young goat. I'm going to say Patrick Mahomes takes it. The Chiefs are a better all around team. Andy Reid, I will never, ever, ever bet against. So I, I think the Chiefs have the whole package and they they take it. But never count out Brady because apparently not. It's gonna be it's gonna be entertaining. We have to say that. 
That was amazing. Good job, y'all. Good, good job. All right. So we will do a quick Super Bowl episode before the net, before the Super Bowl. We'll give you a few minutes before to preview, make our picks, talk about what we're looking for in the game and any other NFL news. We'll drop that days for the Super Bowl. Because we know you're waiting with bated breath. Because you oh, know, even though we told you things might change before then. We might decide Brady's going to win his thousand Super Bowl. And listen, let me tell you, if you are trying to plan your Super Bowl watch party, be it one person, be it a few people, be it you're breaking COVID rules. And Don't break COVID more rules. People, what I want to recommend is checking out picklesmash.com. Throw in the code FANCY10 at checkout. You get 10% off. You can pick your favorite flavor. If you want a salsa that is super mild, go with the mild. If you want something that's like the Goldilocks, a little bit of hot, a little bit of dill, go with the medium. If you just want to burn your tongue off, hit up the hot. It is great. Again, it is a crazy flavor. If you like salsa and you like a little bit of salty and you like a little bit of pickle, this is the perfect flavor for you. Check it out. Picklesmash.com. Enter the code FANCY10. You get 10% off. As always, we love y'all for listening to us. We really appreciate your support. For now, I'm Megan. I'm Rocky. And I'm Hannah. And we are Fire the Cannon. (laughs) 